Hello everyone and welcome to Cody's Car Conundrum. I'm your host, Cody Wagner. Here we'll discuss everything related to the wide world of automobiles, including culture, news, games, interviews, and events. Without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hello everyone, welcome to the podcast. Now, let me get into it, straight up. All About Viper is a, they are a viper instagram page that i follow even before i was on instagram i have them in my browser (laughs) i have them on speed type (laughs) but anyway so they posted this they posted this post a little while ago and i'm I'm a lot i was pretty happy (laughs) i will not lie i was pretty darn happy when i saw this and then i learned this was from motor trends well, what's it? The twenty? I think it's the twenty nineteen best drivers car year award or whatever. Yeah, best drivers car. Motor Trends best driver drivers car. More likely than not, probably twenty nineteen. So I'm looking at this like, okay, well this is you know this is a little strange. So then he makes a post. Oh wait, that's mine. <laughs> that's my Instagram. Okay. Later on, he makes a post. Also, does your does almost ran? <laughs> anyway. Uh, and I see this post. Oh, wait, no. The other one said this one. This one. My bad. I'm getting all confused. He would say, two down, one to go, the GT2 RS. A few days later, I think two two days later, on the same day, I think we get... Oh, wait, I just passed it. I just passed it. I'm a moron. But uh, yeah, I see this. I'm like, okay. It's getting down to the wire. It's getting down to... It's a little close. And then, bam! This post shows up. And I'm not sad. In fact... I'm very, very pleased. I am very, very pleased. And let me explain why. Because the GT2 RS... What? Base prices... Let me let me even... Let me see if I can find out. Porsche... I don't know. Dot com. Is what? Starts at 300000 and At its base price? Oh, good. Okay, cool. Porsche.com. That, that works. Okay, North America. USA. I don't even know if it's still going to be on here. Uh... Okay, two, even a GT, oh wait, where's the GT3 RS? I like how, wait a minute, where is the GT3 RS? That's a little strange. So I haven't been on this website in a little while, I'm just, 300,000. It's 300,000, and it's only tenths, three tenths faster than the ACR. I'm pretty much over the moon, because I come at it from the perspective of three, three years later, when the ACR was in the realm of hypercars and now supercars super are starting to catch up. And I say supercars because that's, you could, I don't, I really wouldn't care if you called the 911 GT2 a, uh, a hypercar considering it's faster than a, than a 918. But anyway, you know, like I said, I'm over the moon because even, even as you see here, manual, less horsepower, naturally aspirated. I think the GT2 RS is all wheel drive. Um, is far more technologically advanced. It has the famous PDK and all this, and it only manages to go three-tenths faster. And I know that sounds very fanboyish. I know that. I know that. Um, but then I go, then I go here. Because I, I always, I'm always excited to see, with a little bit of dread, because I know there's certain comments coming, but I'm always excited to see what Viper owners have to say about it. And I was actually disappointed. I was actually disappointed because there were more negative comments about the Viper than I actually thought there would be. 
I was, again, I was very, very surprised. Basically, they all, most of these boiled down to, there's always going to be faster cars. Viper had a nice run. Like, like there wasn't more to the story. Someone, someone even going as far to say the Acer had a nice little run. As if three years isn't a long time, especially these days when performance cars are coming out the wazoo like McDonald's pancakes being mass-produced and, and in the case of McDonald's pancakes, kind of nasty. I used, I used to like them. I used to eat them all the time. I know, I, sh- I should know what I'd say bad pancakes are and they, not that great. But anyway, so like I was saying, with supercars and hypercar, more or less supercars, especially of this variety, of this track focused variety, of this hardcore variety, com- coming out the wazoo, and for the A-Star to hold that for three years, when back then you had to get hypercar fast to keep up, I, I'm of the opinion the ACR Dodge won the war. Yeah, there were a little, yeah, the ACR isn't as fast as the GT2 RS. But the GT2 RS didn't exist three years ago. You had the 918, and even that was still slower. Even hypercars, except for maybe the La Ferrari, because we don't, I, we don't know what that, what that would run, because Ferrari didn't give Motor Trend one to run at Laguna Seca, but still, two, it was faster than two out of the three hypercars. The two out of the three, holy trinity. And again, three years later, only beat by tenths of, of you know, by, a, by another supercar. Again, the ACR set the pace before this pace was even known. Okay, that's that's what I'm of the opinion of. But I'll but I'll I'll step back from my potentially fanboyish hat and I'll play put on the Porsche hat here for a second. And I, I actually had to write up a script because I actually recorded this this first part and I messed it up. So I was like, I gotta re-record it. So I'm this is the re-recording. Um, and I actually have a list. I I wrote something in open in open office so I could keep my my thoughts a little bit more concise but let's let's go to the GT2 respective let's go let's go to the Porsche fan and what and let's in my mind I'm going to say what I'm uh, what I'm assuming they'd probably say so they'd probably say yeah but even with the 918 and the GT2 RS when Motor Trend ran it they didn't need factory backing to go in the 918's case nearly as fast and in the GT2 RS's case faster not only that the GT2 RS is more technologically advanced meaning it you know, it matters more, I guess, in in the, the automotive landscape because that technology will trickle down one way or another. Um, you know, it's got better build quality in this and that. You know, that that's what the tip, that's what the typical Porsche fan is probably gonna say. Um, you know, it's got holes. All of that, okay, and not only that, they probably say it didn't only just do this thing at Laguna Seca; it also did it at Willow Springs. It was faster without factory backing by um, like seventeen tenths or something. Uh, even still, and again, go to the Nurburgring, well, it's 20 seconds faster or so, something like that. But in that lies the hypocrisy if you look at the Nurburgring argument because that was factory backed and potentially illegitimate because they don't have a sanctioning body of any kind. No, anything goes. So we don't even know how many of those times were done with horsepower booster or horsepower adders or slicks or whatever. Okay, uh, And I'm not saying potentially illegitimate as a way of putting the Viper up, I'm saying we know, we know the Nurburgring's kind of, you know, it's basically anything goes. We really don't know how legitimate some of these lap times are. That's just a fact, okay? It is just a fact. But the hypocrisy isn't necessarily that. It's that when when the grassroots guys took the ACR over there, that wasn't factory-backed. 
and it did a 701. It's within seconds of some of the fastest cars on the planet, and not only that, it's important to remember, it set those records on its first outing. We never got a second lap, and I think that was mostly down to the front tires, actually. But anyway, like I was saying, so, oh, no, no, no. The hypocrisy ties into the argument, or ties into a would-be argument that, well, why are you comparing the ACR's factory time at Laguna Seca, where it's only, you know, where it's only tenths off, when you should be comparing Motor Trend's driver, driver, driver car of the year award from 2016, if I remember correctly. Okay, that's probably what they'd say, and then they, then they go to Nurburgring, and this is where the hypocrisy is. Why, you know, why, you know, why would someone be up in arms about me comparing, or someone comparing the factory time of the ACR to the magazine time of the GT2RS, when the same thing happened in the Nurburgring, and I'm sure Porsche guys would, or some Porsche guys, mostly fanboys, would be all too happy to compare the factory GT2RS time to the grassroots effort by, by Russ Oasis, I think his last name is. And, you know, and the whole Viper Exchange crew and Kumho and Prefix. So, you know, I don't, I don't really have a big objection in some cases to comparing factory back times as long as a, you know, they're completely or mostly legitimate in the case of the Nurburgring because we don't know if Porsche falsified it in some sense. But I think, no, no, no. What I mean to say is, if you if you are going to compare the factory time at one track to the non-factory time of another, that then that goes for all the other tracks where where that where that scenario occurs. Is it okay? Is it okay? I I suppose it depends on the context. In in the case of Laguna Seca or the Nurburgring, I think it would be okay because that's those are kind of the only times. But there's also more to it. So getting getting back on topic, that's probably what the Porsche guy would say about about the situation. You know, the GT2RS didn't need factory backing to go faster at three tracks. It's more technologically advanced. It, you know, the technology, you know, it has technology that actually matters in the automotive landscape, whereas the ACR has has tried and true methods that really don't that really don't sort of matter. They don't they don't they're not going to change regular cars because a regular car is not going to have a what a three foot wide wing or however or because I only know that the wing. I only know the length of the extreme ACRs. I know it in centimeters. It's in it's seventeen. It's one thousand seven hundred and seventy-six centimeters, if I remember correctly. But anyway, so now I'm gonna put so I'm gonna put my Viper hat back on, but be a little bit more logical and let's let's look at the Viper perspective. So yeah, GT2RS set a faster time at two tracks, and it didn't need factory backing. Absolutely. However, the ACR once again the ACR set those times. Three years ago, it set hypercar times where now those are sort of extreme supercar times. Even if you look at the 720s uh, or the Huracan Performante, so like I said, Dodge to me in that case won the war because they set those times way ahead of the they they set those times before these cars. I'm not gonna say weren't even thought no, but they probably they were probably working on those cars three years ago in, in some sense. Dodge set those times three years ago, and those times are still relevant today. When typically those when typically a lot of times don't stay relevant for long, especially again, especially these days when hardcore track oriented versions of normal sports or supercars are getting thrown out the wazoo, lap times don't always last that long. Maybe a year, maybe two at best, and the ACR held it for three, maybe maybe four. Because they, they set a lot of these times back in twenty fourteen and some in twenty fifteen. And I'm pretty sure Laguna Seca was one of those times in twenty fourteen. Uh Maybe maybe before 
maybe Mototron said it bef- or got these times before it actually be officially four years. So maybe that's why everyone's saying three years. But anyway, getting back getting back on topic, and I also think that this matters in the sense that because I've been saying I've, I've said this in many arguments. I don't care if someone chooses the technological route to go fast. What I'm saying is the ACR is is proof that technology isn't the only way of going fast these days. Because because everyone, Audi R8, all the McLarens, the Honda NSX, the Nissan GTR, I could go on of all these technologically, of all these technology-laden supercars, that are using are using it to go fast, using technology as a way of going fast, rather than just lightweight, better suspension, a lot of aero, and, and you know, and uh, some weight reduction. And that's what the ACR stands for. It's like the uh, it's like the Lotus, I, I guess you could say metaphor that I that I really only heard from Top Gear, but it's um it, it's on a T-shirt. It's something in ad lightness, but that's but that's basically what the ACR did, except at this this at this. And ungodly numbers of downforce. But like I said, that's why I think the ACR also matters from a more, maybe not from a less applicable standpoint of, okay, yeah, you're not going to be able to apply a giant wing to a normal car. But I guess in a more metaphorical, you can apply this to life sense where, again, you don't need something new to do something right or to do something well. It can make it a lot easier. Absolutely. But the ACR is the absolute epitome of you don't need new to go fast. And I like that because I think it's I think that's relatively underrated, uh, especially by big automakers. Cause, you know, you could look at Radical or Catrum or Aerial and they don't do the same or at the very least all the same high technology stuff that most of the big automakers do. But that's obvious. They don't have the they don't have the money. Dodge has the money to do it, but they chose not to. They chose to make a purebred sports or supercar really, really fast the same way in, in its purity and, I, and like I said I really I think that that's that's still important but getting away from the less philosophical end of end of the perspective the ACR also has a manual transmission it doesn't have a dual clutch or automatic or whatever so once again for it to be that fast that's truly a testament to how fast the ACR is and if we go to the argument of someone saying oh well that GT2RS didn't need factory back and go as fast, which that's another testament. That's a testament from the GT2RS. Yes, if we go to, I don't know how many of you guys have this Motor Trend issue, but there was a Motor Trend issue when the TA, the 1.0, came out back in 2014, and they ran it at Laguna Seca a little while ago, and they did, you know, they did the 130, the 130, the 130 something, the 133 something. I can't remember the the millisecond time, but they also ran the TA on slicks to see. To see what it would do, just for fun, it ran in one minute thirty on slicks, and I, and I just I bring this up because I find it funny. That's still faster than the than the ZR1 ran at the you know the newest or the current ish Motor Trend Drivers Car Year Award thing. That that's still fast. I'm sorry that that's still a little funny to me. And if you if you go even further than that, Motor Trend ran the the TA. I think maybe with some level of maybe with some Dodge technicians over there over there to make the to help the TA run optimally, but still, and it ran a 133, one second off the ZR1 Motor Trend ran that time. So, like I said, I don't know what I don't know what you want. And, he, and I even forgot about this. Most of the times are ran by the same driver. It's Randy, Randy Post. So 
You can't say, you know, someone can't bring it. Oh, well, they're run by even drivers. This one's better than the other one. No. However, you could potentially make the argument, oh, well, maybe he was having a better day on that one, or he was just in the zone more. You, you could always make that argument because that's, that's just a human thing. It's kind of a weak argument, maybe, but I, it is still one that you could make, regardless of how weak or strong of an argument it actually is. Um, but getting back to the TA on slicks, if a TA without the downforce or the suspension, let alone the adjustability, or the hood vent, or the diffuser, or the canards, or the the splitter that the ACR, if a TA without any of the things the ACR has can run a 130 on slicks, you can't tell me an ACR wouldn't be two seconds faster on the near slick Kumho's. You could say the ACR is at a disadvantage in tires, but, it's at, but it has an advantage everywhere else. Everywhere else. So that's, that, to me, absolutely validates the time. And I'm sure a lot of Viper guys are saying, yeah, but our times are SSCA certified. And, I, and I'll be honest, I, th- I think that that does matter, but I don't know what that... What is that certification? What, what is the SSCA certified? That, that's what I want to know. What, what does that certify? Does that certify that you know, it's a car that you can actually go... That you can go to a dealership and buy pre pre-owned not necessarily used because vipers don't have a lot of miles on them anyway so they're pre-owned technically which is interesting except except for the ones that were daily driven and have forty thousand miles on them which for a car like that is definitely used but anyway like i said that to me absolutely validates the one the 128 time and just imagine how fast an acr would be on slicks that'd be terrifying but so if we get back to the sole perspective thing, I don't, I wouldn't begrudge anyone for being on the GT2 RS side of of the spec of of this ideological or of this perspective spectrum of or side really. I don't know how much of a spectrum it is, but I wouldn't begrudge anyone for saying, you know, I'm on it because they didn't need this or that to go as fast, if not fa- no, to go this fast or faster or sorry and faster. I really wouldn't begrudge anyone for that. I wouldn't because it, it makes sense. Yeah. Porsche didn't have any any factory backing. Now, if we go to this this thread, some were saying that they that there was probably Porsche technicians there to make sure the GT2 RS would perform at its best. And I can actually see that happening because if we go back to an old Top Gear episode when they were at Nardo, when they were going to do the top speed runs, Lamborghini and McLaren sent technicians over to check to check stuff with the cars. Noble, being the smaller automaker that it is, don't have any technicians to send over to. Nardo. So, like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if Porsche would, you know, did very much indeed have technicians on hand to send to make sure that the car performed optimally. And I, I'd still say that's not factory backing, but that is some level of factory. Well, maybe not even factory assistance, but professional Porsche expert assistance. Yes, it definitely is. So, as I'm saying, I wouldn't begrudge it because it's it's a very valid viewpoint to have. They didn't need the factory backing. It's more technologically advanced. You know, and so on. So, you know, your sort of typical Porsche arguments would be, you know, better build quality, maybe better service, or maybe easier to service, and you know, and so on and so forth. But I, you know, as a Viper guy, I'm on the Viper perspective. It did it three years ago. It didn't. It doesn't even have four wheel steering, the manual, the active, or sorry, the automatic, the active aero. It doesn't. It's it's so bare bones, and it's only tenths off. That that to me speaks volumes of how fast. The ACRs, because despite its factory time, it's still way, way down on. It's still way, way down in terms of its technological rap sheet, I suppose. Now, I'm sure some Porsche guys would would say, and I covered this a little bit earlier, 
would say, let's compare apples to apples. Let's go motor trend to motor trend. And if we go motor trend to motor trend, the Viper ACR ran a 131, not the 128. But this goes back to what I was saying about the TA on slicks. The ACR, when they were doing the apples, to, not the factory backed, but it was a driver's car, did a 131, one second off a TA on slicks. You, Like I said, within that, you can't tell me an ACR wouldn't be able to run faster, maybe with a bit more fine-tuning or with a, or if Randy was was on his pace because apparently they were saying he was off his own pace a little bit, but still. Like I said, that when you take all those variables, it absolutely validates the one-minute the one, the one minute 28 lap time. Yeah, I would, I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on on the the arguments that's been had. I'll leave, I'll leave you with this. And so this... This guy, Bill, he runs a dealership. So yeah, Viper Performance at Sales Manager at a dealership. He got it bang on. In fact, two people got it bang on from for me. And for those of you who are listening to the to the non-video podcast version of this, I'll I'll read this out loud. Kind of surprised to see the Viper fold and various owners taking the other side. I was too. When the owner dog chased away the purebreds for years. Give the Porsche its due, but do not take away the huge merit the Viper deserved deserves at its modest price in comparison to its challengers he's absolutely right and then if we go down a little bit here is this okay this is page two here's a little story from someone who's at viper tracks in 2016 i wasn't i don't even know where this is i'm i'd love to contact chris chris and eric hoisley to give more to talk about this in more detail but anyway i'll talk about i'll start reciting the story i haven't seen a time for chris winkler in a gen b5 acr at laguna seca Chris set 11 of the 13 records, which is incredible. I was lucky enough to hear Chris and Eric Hoisle tell the whole story of how they broke all those records at Viper Tracks in 2016. And it's an amazing story. They did so on a shoestring budget, working their difficult day jobs all week, then chewing up their weekends at the various track tracks over, over a period of months. It was an incredible feat. My recollection is that Chris didn't get to Motorsports Ranch in Texas on an account of a scheduling conflict, so they used former IMSA GT champion Tommy Kendall at that track. At Laguna, they chose to have Randy Pope shoe the car because he's the acknowledged master there. Randy has set all six of the six fastest production car times at Laguna and six of the fastest 20. For those of you who, who are watching the video, I'm just going to disregard this because I don't understand what this is for. Chris is on the top 20 list, though. He holds the 18th fastest time in a Gen 4 ACR at 133.92. 1 minute 33.92. Randy broke his own production car record at 1 minute 33.70 prior Gen ZR1 Corvette by 8 one hundredths of a second in a 24... In 2014, in a Viper TA, that record stood for a while until Randy broke it again with the 99, with the 991 GT3 RS. Obviously, this is just my speculation, but I don't think there's a better choice than Randy for setting fast laps in a production car at that track. The fact that three long years later, the ACR was breached only by 35 one hundredths of a second speaks to the unmatched track prowess of the ACR when it was in production and even now, because like I said. Lap times don't typically stay relevant, and the ACR is still relevant with all of the, even with the torque, with the air vectoring of the Huracan Performance, which to me is genius. That is genius. It's still relevant. In fact, it's still faster, which is hilarious to me. But still, um, like I said, I absolutely agree with that. So I hope you all give me your opinions and thoughts on this. I'd, re I'd really like to know where, where you all stand on this discussion because it's, in the in the Viper on the Viper forms anyway, it's a very 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 interesting discussion, and I'm I'm firmly in the Viper camp, but I think for solid reasons. But there's 
but each are valid viewpoints because they all both present notable facts that really should not be ignored uh, if if someone if an argument is going to be had about if an argument is going to be had about this it is really I find it really really important to let's keep the facts straight here about both times and what and I'd say what this means for for both cars but anyway I'm gonna stop here because I gotta get onto the news I'm gonna, I'm getting back to news yay so I'll see you all after the break are you uninsured or underinsured? Can't afford the high premiums of health insurance? Would you like to save money on your out-of-pocket cost for dental and medical bills? If you answered yes to any of these questions, request more information at http colon slash slash www.ownyourhealthcare.com slash alternative dash healthcare dash solutions or call Dr. Taffy at 303-576-0670. Our plans are available in 42 states. We are back. Now I know I haven't, I've missed a lot of cars. A lot of, oh wait, this isn't the new cars tab. My bad. Like I was saying, I missed a lot of new cars. So I'm this is news, but I'm going to focus more on the new cars that I've missed in the long, long weeks of just getting a bunch of other content out there. So let's talk about this. VW truck and bus becomes Trat Tratton Group wants to revolutionize global transportation. Okay, cool. Explore the new 148 horsepower Vauxhall Corsa GSI in 38 new images. BMW's Paris Auto Show lineup announced includes new Z4 and 8 Series models. Lexus ES, priced from £35,150 in the UK, orders open this October, and that's nearly forty grand. Updated Skoda Octavia GTEC arrives with more power and range. BMW's M235i race car gains Evo Pack becomes the M240i. Not even my final form, bro. No. <laughs> I wonder what I wonder what a final form M2 something I would be. Hyundai i30 fastback and debuting on September 26th in Rome to Paris race. So looking forward to that. 2019 Skoda Kodiak. That's weird. That's two. That's just two Ks. That messes me up. RS looks mean in new teaser sketches. Honda CRV Hybrid coming to Europe in early 2019 with 184 PS. And apparently that's another way of measuring horsepower. And I don't know what that means. Maybe it's 200. I really don't know. Citroen C3 GCC Plus Limited Edition bringing French chic to a Paris Auto Show. BMW unveils 2019 Z4. And they've later, because this is the one that we're talking about now, the 2019 Z4 S-Drive 20i, S-Drive 30i, and 2020 M40i Roadster. Why the 2020? Is that coming later? Can I not get that out now? Aston Martin celebrates Segato's Sanitary. I hope I got that right. With DBZ Collection. And also, these. someone else in the comment section of this article said this looks very 720S-ish. And I absolutely agree. The headlights, anyway. Mercedes AMG A35 goes official with all-wheel drive and 301 horsepower. 2019 Seat Taraco breaks cover as the Spanish Kodiak made in Germany. Ferrari Monza SP1 and SP2 debut with Ferrari's most powerful V12 engine. I want to know how powerful it is. Ford unveils all-new Transit 2-ton. Can they spell ton wrong? 
No, they didn't. They they, they did the European two tone T O N N E rather than just T O N as we Americans do it. Uh, connect and custom vans. Ford drops full off road specs for Euro spec 2019 Ranger Raptor. 2019 Ram Power Wagon Mojave Sand Package adopts desert look. Skoda Kodiak RS shows off standard 20 inch alloys and black accents. Europe's Kia E Nero Electric Crossover debuts with 301 mile driving range. Audi e-tron SUV is Mark's first fully fledged EV. Mitsubishi teases the face of the Triton L and L200. It says it's coming soon. And both are still probably going to be tragic. 2019 Nissan Leaf retains $30,795 starting price and kind of pitiful 150-mile range. Nissan Qashqai gets updated with a more powerful 1.5-liter diesel. Mercedes AMG GT four-door production starts in... All of you who are watching the video of this, look. look. And any of you who can, who, who can pronounce this, yo, do it. I can't. Kia K3 GT is the Forte hot hatch you never knew you wanted. Is, is that the GT? It doesn't have any of the red accents. It needs red accents. That, that's no red accents, no sport. At the very least, at the very least, not for that. That's not that's not sporty enough. That that's mildly. You know, you know what that is? That's mildly athletic. New Kia Proceed merges wagon practicality with great looks. I want to check that out. 2019 Nissan Rogue gains new equipment packages and more safety tech. New Toyota Yaris GR Sport wants to be fun and engaging, but there's a catch. It basically, as far as I remember, it has all the handling of the German or German or whatever it is, but without the engine. 2019 Subaru BRZ gets minor price hike, new series, and, or sorry, new series gray special edition. The, the period messed me up. DS3 Crossback goes official with petrol, diesel, and EV powertrains. New Kia CGT Warm Hatch gets 201 horsepower and optional 7-speed DCT. Skoda Kodiak RS flashes crystalline effect full LED headlights in new teaser. I feel like the, it's just so bulky. The, the other, the old Z4 is actually kind of lean, kind of, it was, okay. What I mean is the new Z4 is kind of tall in terms of the, the sidewall. Or I say side. Well, not, I don't mean in the tires. What I mean is from here to here, for those of you in the pod, in normal podcast who can't see this, what I mean is from the bottom of the front fender probably to the top of the headlight. It's just a lot of – it's just a lot of body. It, it's visually very kind of tall looking to say this poorly dry, drywall-ish looking. That, that ball is very poor. I apologize. <laughs> that was very, very poor. To, like I said, to say this as best I can – it's just a very visually tall-looking sports car, especially from the side. It's just, it's just a lot of metal. It's just a lot of metal. It doesn't look as, it doesn't look as as lean as the earlier, as the earlier Z cars. It just looks a little bit fatter, a little bit bulkier. It looks, I I like it, especially on the side because it kind of has the Viper uh, side sill slash scallop. As I watched the old Motor Trend video and. Jesse Lang said side scallop. So this. I kind of like that because that's kind of viperish. In fact, that's very Gen 3 to 4-ish with how angular that was. I like it. I like it. I like it a lot. Before I want, okay, how powerful is this V12? I, I kind of like this too. I kind of like it. <laughs> Nearly 800 horsepower. That's impressive. That is very, very... And it's probably naturally aspirated. I bet you it's naturally aspirated. I like the black. Normally, I don't like black. 
because I feel like it hides detail more. But that's gorgeous. That that is gorgeous. Oh, hey, there's there's my red accents. This is like when you know how because Mercedes has your uh, the the blue what what what's it called again? Mercedes has a blue tech something group for their cars, and it basically just puts the AMG front and rear fascias on without adding any of the performance benefits. That's what this is. That's what that's like. That's what this uh, Kia K3 GT is like. Except the grill's kind of cool. I like that. But the rest of it, fairly normal looking. Nice interior. Looks great. I like it. Probably not going to get in America, unfortunately, but I quite like it. Probably an unpopular opinion. 2019 DS3 Crossback plugged into the future with an electric powertrain. 2019 Lexus UX priced from $32,000 and sales will commence in December. Audi teases e-tron electric SUV as it gears up for seven for September 17th. Reveal what? Well, it's already out. I, I missed it. I gotta I gotta go find it. 2019 Ford Edge and Edge ST gain AI all-wheel drive for better grip and fuel economy. Japan Subaru XV gains e-boxer hybrid version and US spec Crosstrek Crosstrek doesn't. Facelifted Renault Kajar. Debuts with updated styling and new 1.3-liter turbo petrol engine. 2019 Mercedes GLE is here with more space, new tech, and looks. That was pretty quick. Subaru marks 60th anniversary with outdoorsy Outback X-Break in Japan. 2019 BMW 3 Series is almost here. See the final round of testing. Apparently it has a drag coefficient of 0.23. Alfa Romeo, Stelvio, Giulia, and Giulietta now available as B-Tech editions in Europe. 2019 Ram chassis cab trucks are ready for harvest with new special edition models. 2019 Ford F-150 Raptor gets cruise control for off-road driving. Here's how it works. Except not because I'm not going to click it. Ford set to unveil new connected and electrified transit van. I think we just talked about that. VinFast. It sounds like it sounds like a brand Vin Diesel would make, honestly. Unveils Vietnam's first cars ahead of a Paris show debut. Volkswagen up. Exclamation mark. Get sportier looks with new R-Line package. 2020 Kia Telluride officially revealed through customized version. And yeah, it, the, the eyes are so far apart. It's like a frog. Except it, it's like a frog that looks straight on. It's kind of weird. I'm not, I'm not that big of a fan on the front. The rest of it looks pretty cool. BMW X3M and X4M prototypes unveiled with new straight six engine. Audi Q8 is late to coupe SUV party. But it might just steal the show. UK-bound Mazda 2 and CX-3 Black Plus Edition, limited to 500 units each. Listen to the Lamborghini Aventador SVJ fire up and rev its V12. Except not, because once again, not going to click it. Unfortunately. Europe's 2019 Jeep Cherokee gains new 150 PS 2.2 liter diesel. 2019 BMW X5 xDrive. 45EI performance debuts with more power and a longer electric range. 2019 Audi Q8 arrives in the U.S. with a single engine option and lots of attitude. So I was going to make a joke and I just <laughs> couldn't think of one. Couldn't think quick enough. 2019 BMW X2M35i combines 302 horsepower with a hatchback-like body. A really, really tall hatchback-like body. 2019 Audi A1 configurator launched. Base model is typically sparse. Updated 2019 Hyundai Elantra goes on sale. Priced from $17,985. Chevrolet unveils new Colorado ZR2 Bison performance truck. 
2019 Kia Forte starts at $17,690, gets new engine and more features. Volkswagen Golf GTI Rabbit Edition uh, uh, get, uh, joins the range for 2019. Mercedes A-Class Saloon Sedan goes on sale in the UK, price from £27,875, or probably thirty-one or $32,000 here in the US of A. No. 2019 Acura ILX arrives with a prettier, prettier, sorry, prettier beakless face. Also, I want to make a point. I don't understand what they mean by beakless face. Is, is this not a beak? Is this not a beak? I don't because it looks like it looks like a either a pseudo beak or a or a soft beak or, or something. It looks great, but I don't I don't understand how this is not beak ish. The Middle East gets the Volkswagen Terramount, but Europe won't. The Terramount. What, what do they call that? Because the, the Atlas. The Atlas. It looks like the Terramount in Europe is what we know as the Atlas here. 2019 Hyundai i30 hatch and wagon get new diesels and styling tweaks. Okay, Audi e-tron SUV is Mark's first fully-fledged EV. I don't know how I missed it. Still not a fan. I kind of I kind of like the shape. I don't, I don't know. I have very mixed feelings about the headlights. Okay, that, that no. No. Like I said, I have very mixed feelings about the headlights, but the rest of it's kind of interesting. I'll talk about this, the uh, the Nissan Recalls. I'll talk about that soon. Wide-body Diva would make a much wilder Chiron-based Bugatti, and yes, it would. Camaro, Blazer, and Corvette ZR1 are the sharp end of Chevrolet's lineup. Sharp as in how? Visually, in terms of their angular design, or in terms of looking good? Subaru WRX S4 gains range-topping STI Sport Grade in Japan. Zoe T900 is a $23,000 Chinese Range Rover Sport fakeaway. Mercedes enters the electric era with all-new EQC crossover. Lexus has three premieres for the 2018 Paris Auto Show. New Toyota Corolla Touring Sports is a stretched wagon slated for Paris. Mercedes opens A-Class sedan order books. Delivers, deliveries start early next year. 2019 Fiat 124 Spider excuse. MX-5 upgrades bows with minor upgrades, and I'm still disappointed we don't have a hardtop version yet. Abarth updates 595 range with 5 models and up to 177 horsepower. 2019 Toyota Land Cruiser and 2019 Lexus LX570 Black Edition spotted. 2019 Nissan Juke with minor facelift price from £15,505 in the UK. Maybe eighteen grand here? Which isn't that bad. Anyway, I gotta stop here. I'll see you all after the break. Are you uninsured or underinsured? Can't afford the high premiums of health insurance? Would you like to save money on your out-of-pocket cost for dental and medical bills? If you answered yes to any of these questions, request more information at http colon slash slash ownyourhealthcare.com slash alternative dash healthcare dash solutions or call Dr. Taffy at 303-576-0670. Our plans are available in 42 states. Alrighty, I am back. I had to get a water. My mouth is... <clears throat> Is really really dry. VW wants you to know that the 2019 T-Cross subcompact SUV is cool. 
I want to be cool, cool, cool. They don't teach it. No. <laughs> Get risk copyright. Most of you probably don't know what that's from. I do. So if any of you know, just type it in the comments. But otherwise, it will remain a secret. Unless someone figures figures it out. Link and Co-O3 Sedan debuts at Shang-Yu Show. <laughs> really sorry. At some show. At, more likely than not, a Chinese show. Finally, it lets us take a look inside, and that's kind of cool. Let me, I want to get a closer look. 145 PS Thought of Vesta Sport debuts as Russians, as Russia's budget sports sedan. Very budget sports sedan. 2019 Nissan Frontier, America's most affordable pickup, offers more interior tech for the same price. And if it's anything like a Titan, it's going to be a nasty interior. Special Nissan Navera and Guard goes on sale in the UK. Aris. Senat is Russia's answer to the Rolls-Royce Phantom. Clearly, they didn't take any lessons from Rolls-Royce's name naming strategy, or just they they didn't uh, focus group the name. New new VW Tiguan off-road approaches Moscow Auto Show with 26 degree angle. Do they what what is this? Do they mean approach angle? I, I'd hope they mean approach angle. Also, why is my voice cracking so bad? 2018 Jeep Wrangler Moab Edition is here, and it looks tough as nails. Mitsubishi adds new petrol option to the Outlander's range in the UK. Mercedes-Benz EQC rear end partially uncovered in new team. Well, we already know what it looks like. There it is. Uh, I don't know. I kind of like that. Once again, another car I have very mixed feelings about. That front. I kind of like it, but something still seems off to me. Interior is kind of cool. If, if a little barren. Still don't like this tacked-on look, though. Wow! Plastic! <laughs> Much plastic! Oh, dear. Let's see. Link and... Co okay. Oh, right. I, I like the look of that. I Once again, a very probably a very unpopular opinion, but I like it. Uh, let, okay, let's see. Let's check this out. Eh, I'm not a big fan of that. That That's cool, but I don't like the way that that's been done. I like the steering wheel. That's kind of cool. And I like that. That That's pretty cool. If if a little barren, not not enough redundant controls for my liking. I don't like the square. I mean, I kind of do because that that to me is just classic boat. Just throw around. Also, still no, still still no, definite no. But I don't I don't know. I can't. Oh wait, what's that? What's that? I forgot. I thought I thought Lexus was the only one who's going to use cameras rather than traditional mirrors, but I guess they're not. Hmm. I like that's cool. Yeah, I don't know. Not, not really. Well, again, I kind of like it. There, there's something. I'm, I'm weird today. I'm being really weird today. Where is it? Okay, there it is. I was trying to look for the tab. I was like, I lost the tab. I lost the tab. Let's talk about this. Nissan has issued a recall for more than 215,000 of its. Maybe I said 250. I meant 215,000 of its vehicles in the United States due to a possible fire risk. The Japanese car manufacturer states that an anti-lock brake pump could seal. No. Then an anti-lock brake pump seal could break. If this were to happen, brake fluid could easily leak into onto the electronic circuit board, triggering a malfunction. If drivers ignore the ABS warning light, it is possible that the brake fluid spillage would lead to an electrical short circuit and potentially could start a fire. Models affected include the 2015 to 2017 Nissan Murano, 2016 to 2017 Nissan Maxima, 2017 to 2018 Nissan Pathfinder, and 2017 the only Infiniti, the 2017 Infiniti QX60. Overall, 
there are exactly 215,124 vehicles potentially affected by this issue. Nissan believes that approximately 15, no, 56% of the vehicles it is recalling have the faulty ABS pump seal. The company has warned owners to not, not drive their vehicles if the ABS light stays on for more than 10 seconds after startup. Owners of the affected vehicles will, be, will soon be notified by Nissan about the issue and inspections of the faulty pump of the faulty pump seal will start next month. The recall is expected to commence on October 15th, and all necessary repairs will be carried out free of charge. Nissan has been investigating issues with its ABS warning light since February, and committed to this recall at the end of at the end of August. 2019 Fiat 500X breaks cover with new turbo engines and subtle design tweaks, and a new turbo engine is the GSE 1.3 liter turbo. I'm so excited for it. I cannot wait to be able to drive the the Renegade and the 500X with it because I didn't even think we were getting the the GSE engine in America, but we are. We are in the form, or in the 500X and the Renegade. So excited! Cannot wait. 2019 Acura NSX debuts at Monterey Car Week. Order books now open. Ferrari 488 Pista Spider makes unexpected premiere at Pebble Beach. Last, Pagani Wara Rosa named after the fastest and most ferocious Falcon. 2019 SSC Tutara. Or, no, SSC Tutara brings 1,750 horsepower to Pebble Beach. Mercedes-Benz EQ Silver Arrow evokes the past with future tech. Cool. Okay. Sorry, the phone's ringing right now. It's not even coming across. Not even coming across. That's brilliant. Bugatti Devo, this is what I've been trying to get to. Bugatti Devo debuts with 1,500 horsepower. Production units limited to 40 units. McLaren 720S GT3 race car ready for track test. Price is 440,000, I'm going to say, euros. Let's talk about the Devo. Well, 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 let's talk about the 500X first. I, I know most, most people are going to be like, you're going to talk about a Fiat before Bugatti. I'm like, and I'm, I'm saying yes. Because I got to this first. So let's see, let's see. Where, where's the engine? The engine. Alright, anyway. I'll get to that soon enough. Infotainment is provided by a standard Uconnect 7-inch HD live interface with Apple CarPlay integration and Android Auto compatibility. It features a 7-inch touchscreen, Bluetooth hands-free connectivity, audio streaming, text reader, voice recognition, aux and USB ports, as well as steering wheel controls. And I really like the this silver accent around where the airbag and horn is. I I really, really like that. Let's see. The most important updates take place under the hood, however, where the 500X replaces the naturally aspirated gasoline engines with all-new Firefly turbocharged 3 and 4-cylinder four four units shared with the 2019 Jeep Renegade. Those engines include a 3-cylinder 1-liter unit that, del that delivers 120 PS and 190 Nm of torque, as well as a 4-cylinder 1.3-liter unit Rated at 150 PS and 270 newton meters of torque. I think I believe that's the engine we're getting in America. The smaller engine is paired with a six-speed manual transmission and front-wheel drive, while the larger one is linked to a six-speed DCT dual-clutch automatic transmission and front-wheel drive. So awesome, and I love I love the looks too. I love the refresh or the facelift. Although I don't I don't like that, but still, so cool. I I wouldn't own a 500X mostly because it's not my preference. I don't I don't a Renegade, but still. Love this facelift, refresh, update, whatever you want to call it. 
Now let's talk about the elephant in the room and the car I should be the most ashamed about missing while I've been scrambling to get all the other coverage done. The Bugatti, the Bugatti Devo. Now a little while ago, you may have, when they were doing the world premiere, you may have heard me saying, I wonder if this is just going to be, I was saying something along the lines of, I wonder if this is just going to be a sort of, a sort of, you know, rebody Devo, or sorry, <laughs> rebodied Chiron that's made to be like a new model, sort of like the um, and I ha and I had a car for it, but I really couldn't remember the other car that I was drawing uh, a similarity to. What what was what was? Hold on, I want to check this for a second. What was the other car that was basically rebodied? And then they said, "Oh, hey, it's a whole new model," and and that sort of th and that sort of thing. What was it? What was it? What was it? What was it? Oh, like like your Lamborghini Centenario, um, Venino, and that sort of thing. I was I was saying I wonder if it's going to be like those. It basically is, but with more up, both more upgrades than those cars compared to the Aventador. The, okay, this car is a far more upgraded Chiron than the Venino and Centenario are far are more upgraded Aventadors. I wouldn't necessarily call it its own model still, but it is. It is vastly changed to the Chiron. The Bugatti Diva was one of the most highly anticipated cars heading to Pebble Beach, and now the automaker has finally unveiled the model, designed to revive the company's tradition of coach building. Oh, I see. Yeah, that, that would make sense like Lamborghini. Yep. The Devo features a unique design which shares little with the Chiron. Little, yes, but there are still some things that are lifted, we'll say, from the Chiron. A lot of the styling changes focused on improving aerodynamics, and Bugatti says the modifications have resulted in an additional 198 pounds of downforce. Starting up front with the Devo has, equipped, has been equipped with a new front fascia featuring larger air intakes and a wider front spoiler. These changes help to significantly improve downforce and cooling. Speaking of the latter, the brakes are cooled by four independent air sources on each side of the vehicle. This might be for the brakes here. Air flows in from the high pressure area above the front bumper, the inlets on the front wings, one inlet on the front radiator, and the diffusers and the diffusers ahead of the tires. Designers designers even paid special attention to the roof and created it in such a way that it that it effectively becomes a NACA a NACA air duct. This, combined with a specially designed engine cover, ensures a very high volume of air that goes into the engine compartment to cool the 8-liter W16 engine. Other key styling changes include new headlights and a larger diffuser, which has been designed to accommodate a four-tailpipe exhaust system. I feel... I'm getting a big sense of deja vu. I feel like I've talked about this before. Oh, well. Wow, wait, wait, wait. Four-tailpipe... I didn't... Okay... I've, I've slacked a little bit on keeping myself up to date, I'll admit, but that's crazy. That's awesome. To accommodate a four tailpipe exhaust system, designers also installed aerodynamic side skirts, a central fin, much like the the Bugatti, the Gran Turismo concept that they made a little while ago, and a new rear spoiler, with, which also functions as an air brake, which is also very similar to the X-Wing design that the ACR Viper has, except without the end, end plates. The spoiler is 23% wider than the Chiron's, and Bugatti says this significantly improves downforce and braking performance. Getting back to the engine, it's a familiar quad turbocharged 8-liter W16, which continues to produce 1,479 1, horsepower 
While the engine carries over, Bugatti says the Diva won't have a top speed mode and will be limited to 236. More than enough! <laughs> While the low top speed will likely disappoint some Bugatti fans, the Devo is being positioned as a performance-oriented model that isn't just about going fast in a straight line. As Bugatti explained, they wanted the car to be sharper, more agile, and more nimble. In order to achieve this, engineers increased the camera and made a number of revisions to the suspension and steering system. The Devo also weighs 77 pounds less than the Chiron, thanks to lighter wheels and, new, and a new carbon fiber intercooler cover. You know what? When people were saying, oh yeah, this new, you know, the Devo, it's less than the Chiron. And I was thinking like 100 pounds, 77, I could get out of a car and I'd take about 100 pounds out of, out of a car. I'm not saying that that's not a worthwhile improvement. I'm saying the way that people were hyping up, oh, it's got to be lighter. That's way less impressive than the hype that, than the hype that ensued about the, the Devo's weight. Additional weight saving measures include the use of less insulation the installation of a lighter audio system, and the elimination of storage compartments in the center console and door panels. Thanks to all these changes, the Devo can pull 1.6 Gs during lateral acceleration and lap the Nardo circuit 8 seconds faster than the Chiron. Bugatti, says, Bugatti also says the car has a perceptibility, sorry, a perceivably different driving experience on winding, on winding roads. That's a, I think that was just a typo. The uniqueness of the model extends to the cabin as the car has a two-tone interior with Devo gray Alcantara upholstery and contrasting Devo Racing blue accents. Elsewhere, there is exclusive carbon fiber trim and glass blasted, glass blasted, anodized gray metal accents. Drivers will also find larger armrests and cast supports, as well as a steering wheel with larger, larger paddle shifters. The car is named after French racing driver Albert Devo, and production will be limited to 40 units. All of them have been spoken for, despite the car's $5.8 million price tag. Oh well. Anyway, I hope you all enjoyed. It's been a while since I've gotten back to regular news. And the first time I've done it in this format that will be uploaded to YouTube. I will see you all soon. Thanks for watching. You've just listened to me probably ramble about some cars, if I'm being honest. If you've enjoyed me passionately talking about lumps of metal on wheels, then why don't you follow me on Twitter at CodyCar, C-O-N-U-N-D-R-M, or check out my website, www.codyscarconundrum.com, for articles and other car-related content. If you have any questions or would like to become a sponsor, send an email to drtaffy777 at gmail.com and put sponsor in the subject line. Make sure to follow me here or any other platform so you don't miss out on more full throttle content. Thanks for listening. I'll see you all in the next episode.